Well, welcome. My name is Brian Preston. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, whoa, feedback. Hey, grateful that you guys are here tonight. We're going to start a new series tonight, and if you didn't realize, it's called The Walking Dead. Uh, it's a po- pretty popular TV show on right now, um, and our series is not necessarily uh, centered around what the show is about, but there, I think there are some parallels, and we're going to draw some over the next six weeks uh, that really focus in on um, who, who, who God is, but really developing through uh, these things in life that you and I struggle a lot with. I think, I think for myself and, and for you too, uh, there's things in our lives that consume our lives and really kind of suck the life out of us. Uh, what is a zombie? Anybody know what a zombie is? Or the right definition of what a zombie is? The undead, okay. It's pretty, pretty good. Anybody else have one? Okay. Death and reappears. Half dead, half alive person. I like that definition. Uh, the reason being, all right, the reason being, I want you to understand what a zombie is because I want you to understand what we are a lot of times as Christians. Tonight's very straightforward, okay? And this is a word that God has really convicted my heart about a lot of this last week, and I'm telling you, God's wrecked me a little bit. But that's a good thing. And I think tonight you're going to see how simple and straightforward because of that tonight is. But I want to ask you two questions, and really it's one question asked two different ways. Number one, what sucks the life out of you? What is sucking the life out of you? And number two, what is sucking the joy out of you? What is sucking the joy out of your life? There's two questions. They're really one. What is sucking the life out of you? We're going to address a number of different things tonight uh, that have to do with that. But tonight I want to talk to you, over the next few weeks, excuse me, but tonight I want to talk to you about uh, something we carry that, that, ultimately always sucks the life out of us. There's a thing called sin. Everybody know what I'm talking about? There's a thing called sin, and we have an infected disease. I didn't know if you knew this or not, but we have an infected disease called sin. And since before time, before you were born, before you were really even thought of, about 2,000 years ago, God sent a man into the world to live a sinless life so that we could then bridge a gap back to God Because what happened back in Genesis when God created the world and he created Adam and Eve and he said that it was good, well, what happened was the very first people that he created ended up sinning and just ruined it for all humanity. So now we didn't really even get a fair shot, right? We're born into this thing. If you look in Ephesians 2, it says, in Ephesians 2, 3, at the end of verse 3, it says, we were by nature children of wrath. We were born into this. Okay? We were born into sin. We were born into destruction. We didn't really even get a fair shot. But we are all infected with this thing called sin. We all have a disease called sin. And this thing not only affects us, but it affects other people around us. It affects those that we are in relationship with. It affects friends of ours. It affects our family. Sin destroys. I want you to understand something tonight. There's a spiritual battle going on. Have you ever heard this term called spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare is a battle between the good and evil in your life. 
The spiritual warfare is a battle between an almighty perfect God and a Satan, a enemy of God. And there's a spiritual warfare going on right now in your life, even as you sit here right at this moment. And I think the one thing, the one mistake we make all too often in life is that we do not even acknowledge that the enemy exists. And I think that's a fatal, fatal flaw. Because if we don't acknowledge the enemy exists, we're not prepared to fight him off, right? But I think if you and I will be honest tonight, we look at our lives and we wake up every day and the first thing that we do, we don't really acknowledge who God is and we don't really acknowledge that there's an enemy. And I think... As you'll see tonight, that can be a mistake. There's a spiritual battle going on, and we have to acknowledge that there's a spiritual warfare, and that we have to acknowledge the fact that there's just an enemy opposing against us. The enemy is constant in planning your destruction. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there's, a, there's, a, there's an enemy that's constantly planning your destruction. The church, especially in America, I don't think takes evil very seriously, and we kind of overlook it a lot of times, but there's an enemy that's constantly planning your destruction. The enemy is smart. He knows you, okay? He knows what discourages you. He knows what seduces you. He knows what distracts you. He knows what trips you up. And he's a really, really intelligent person. The enemy knows how to mess you up. And so that's why I think it's even more important for us to acknowledge that the enemy exists. The enemy wants to see you spiritually dead. I think that's why there's a passage in Ephesians 6 that talks about putting on the full armor of God. A lot of times we uh, overlook that passage sometimes because it sounds cliche or, or because we imagine it to be like a, hockey, a set of hockey gear, but it would, yet without the hockey game, you know what I mean? And we think that there's not a hockey game going on, so slowly but surely we start peeling off pieces of gear and we're not prepared for the fight. Same thing. There's a, there's a putting on the full armor of God is something that we have to do constantly because there's an enemy at stake. He wants to see you spiritually dead. If you're a believer in Christ, you are dangerous to him. It's kind of like The Matrix. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It's a little bit older now. Um, but the movie The Matrix, Thomas Anderson is an enemy of this group, and he is considered to be dangerous. And that's what we are to Satan and to the enemy, is we become dangerous to him, and he wants to take us out. If you're sitting there tonight, and you're not really sure where I'm going, not really sure what I'm talking about, maybe there's that same acknowledgement in your own life that you're not acknowledging that the enemy exists. And I'm telling you, he's planning your destruction at this very moment. And that's why it's so important for us to understand God's word. Because the enemy comes offering life, but he delivers death. And the enemy is powerful. But I want you to understand something. We, we serve something that's even greater in power. If you look in Ezekiel 37, that's where we're going to start out tonight. We'll come back to Ephesians 2, but if you look at Ezekiel 37, I want to paint a picture for you of a story uh, of this guy named Ezekiel, and he's coming into this valley, and this valley of dry bones. There's a valley of bones, and he's coming into the scene, and he's walking down. Just imagine this, if you will. Close your eyes, and imagine as you're walking down off this hilltop, and you're walking down into this valley, and as far as you can see from the bottom of your feet, you close your eyes. Imagine this, you're walking, and from the bottom of your feet, you see dry, rotted bones. And then you start to look up as your gaze, and as far as you can see, there's a valley of rotted, dry, dead bones. Ezekiel 37, if you'll look with me at Ezekiel 37, it says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, this is Ezekiel talking, and he brought me out 
in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. I like that he says that because I think it insinuates even more so that these are dead bones, okay? There's no tendons, there's no flesh, there's nothing that has any kind of uh, moist or, or uh, any, anything. It, they're dry, they're dead, they're rotted, they're cracked, they're dead. And he led them around among them, and behold, there are very many on the surface of the valley, behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I love this interaction for this reason. God is calling down to Ezekiel, and he says, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's response, to me, if I'm there in that moment, I'm thinking, okay, God, no, these bones can't live. They're dry, they're rotted, they're cracked, they're, they're dead. But I love Ezekiel's response, and I think this is probably the way most of us would respond in that moment if God was calling down to you and said, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel looks up and he says, God, only you know. And that's a great response to the Lord God, right? Said, God, only you know. Said, I answered, oh Lord, you know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, which is another word for tenants, and you will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath into you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I'm the Lord. I love Ezekiel's response because he immediately says, so I prophesied and I, because I was commanded, right? God calls down, he says, prophesy over these things, and Ezekiel's probably thinking in his head, well, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but God's been faithful to me, so I'm going to prophesy anyways. He says, so I prophesied, and as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, behold, a rattling. Imagine in your, in, right now in your seat, as you close your eyes, imagine that you start hearing this rattling of bones. Close your eyes and listen to this. There was a sound, behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. So you are picturing right now this valley of dry bones, and they're, they're dead, they're, 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 they're dried up, they're rotted. All of a sudden, they start moving, and you hear this rattling sound, and they're moving from place to place. And said, so I looked, and behold, there were tendons on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Can you see this? You're imagining, you're sitting in this valley, and all of a sudden there's these dry bones, and all of a sudden they start coming together, and these tendons and flesh, and everything starts coming upon it. But there was no breath in them. Look at me. God brings the breath. In this moment, these bones, these dry, rotted, dead bones were laying on the ground, and all of a sudden, the voice of God spoke and used Ezekiel, and all of a sudden, they started coming together. And before you knew it, this valley of dry bones that you were picturing is now a lively army of people that God has brought forth and put flesh and tenants and everything on them. Isn't that crazy? but there still wasn't breath in them. Listen to what God does. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come to the four winds, O breathe, and breathe on these slain that they may live. God is powerful. It says, so I prophesied as he commanded to me, and the breath came into them, and they, they lived and stood on their feet, 
an exceedingly great army. I encourage you to keep reading that passage sometime, but I wanted to paint you a picture of this. There's an, there's an enemy out there that's warring against you and that wants to destroy you, and he'll stop at nothing. And if you're not feeling pressure from the enemy, it's probably because you're already succumbed to him. You're probably already living in a, in a way that he doesn't see you as a threat. But there's an enemy out there that wants to destroy you, and he's pretty powerful. But guess what? We have a God who is equally as powerful, right? And even more so, he causes the dead to raise to life. He causes dead, rotted, cracked, dried bones to come together to life. Can you see this? This is the Lord God, the one that you serve, the one that you claim to be a part of, the one that you claim to have a Christian life with. This is the God that can breathe life from death. God is powerful. And we have an enemy that's warring against us, but we serve a God that's even greater. And I want you to understand that tonight because with this infected disease that we have called sin that eats away at us and that, the, that Satan, the enemy, will use against us, we have a powerful God who came, who came not only to come, but to come to live a sinless life so that he could die and, and, and nail our sin to the cross so that we wouldn't have to worry about it. And he bridged that connection back to God, to a powerful almighty God, that God would do this is unbelievable. We were dead in our sin. We were zombie-like. We were walking around aimlessly, not knowing what was going on. You get that picture? Before Christ, you were a zombie. You were dead in your sin. You weren't able to really do much of anything except for walk around, but God has made you alive. And if you trust him tonight, if you believe in your heart that he is God, oh man, he brings life. He's the one that brings the breath. Our God is real. He is powerful. If you look in Ephesians 2, I'm going to start from where I left off when I said, by nature, we were children of wrath. We were born into this thing. We were born sinful and we were born into this thing. Stay with me. We were born into this thing. It says, by nature, we were born children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But check out verse 4. You see it? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead. There's that word again. Even though we were dead, dry, rotted, cracked, dead, God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and God made us alive together with Christ. We were dead. We were dried up. We were rotted. We were a cracked valley of dry bones, and God came in, and he said, breathe. We serve a powerful God, do we not? Can I get an amen? Even when we were dead, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places is Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of the grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. If God can be trusted, if we believe this stuff, if we believe the word of God, if we believe what God has done in our life, if we truly believe that this God who we put a lot of our investment and time into if we really believe he is who he says he is, then we have to know he's made us alive. 
So why are we acting dead? So why are we acting dead? I think a lot of us here tonight, and myself at times, is equally as guilty of this, so I'm not challenging you without looking at my own soul first, but I'm telling you tonight, I think a lot of us come into this place and come into church and come into this thing, Christian life, and we say, oh God, you made us alive, but then yet we return to our zombie state, and we don't act as if we've been made alive, we act as if we're dead. Why are we acting dead? If you're getting upset right now, I'm just reading the scripture, okay? And maybe we need to check our own hearts and lives right now where we sit. Because again, I think we come with the wrong motivation a lot of times and we come not understanding who God really is. What have we become? I think we've become a comfortable, judgmental, apathetic people. And I don't say that flippantly tonight, but I want you to understand something. When you come into this room and you come and you don't respond and you don't see the goodness of God in your life, then you're coming apathetic. You're coming comfortable. You're coming not really caring about really being here and being invested. It's not about you. It's about him. And one thing I want for us is to not only as a people of God, but especially as a student ministry, to come and see God's power at move, not only in whoever's up here, but in our own life and in the people's lives around us. There's sin in your life that's hindering you from being all that God desires you to be. There's an infection in your heart right now that's crippling you from living for him. What is it? What sin in your life is causing you to not come alive? We kind of treat this place as a zombie refueling station instead of treating it as we're coming to become Jesus-consumed ambassadors for Christ. God made us alive. Check out verse 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. You could not do anything on your own. It is a gift of God, but not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And check out verse 10. It says, We are God's workmanship. We're his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us that we should walk in them. You tonight, I think, came with this false idea that Christian life was this one time happening for you. And then from here on out, as long as you're living a good life, you're okay. But God's saying tonight that you have been given the power of the Almighty God. The one who raised dead bones to life and provided breath into them is the same God who's breathed life into you. And if he's breathed life into you, not only should you uh, understand that you are a Christian, you are a child of the king, but you are now intended to do good work. You're now intended to produce fruit and to see good works happen in your life. Not for the sake of good works, because that means nothing, but we should be able to look at you and see they're living a life for Christ. Look at the fruit in their life. That's a challenge tonight. That's a challenge for me. 
I went from uh, back at the early part of this year in January, I went from being bivocational, uh, so I was working at a bank and at the church at the same time, and I went from being bivocational to being uh, full-time at the church. It was an awesome thing. Um, did not really care to be at the bank, trust me. Uh, but God made a way for me to be here full-time. But the thing was is that there was a few months there, and I was working at a bank in Chattanooga, and so I would hop on APD 40 and head back to the interstate to go to 75 South to go um, to Chattanooga. And there was a time there, um, maybe the first, first couple months, two or three months, that there would be these moments where I'd wake up and I'd get ready to go and I'd drive out and then I'd hop on APD 40 by mistake. And I'd have to turn around and, and head back to the church because I, I didn't have to go there anymore. I had to reroute, essentially. And I think for a lot of us, when we first came to Christ, there was that tendency to drift off and go one way, go right instead of going left. But it wasn't intended for you to continually do that over and over and over. It was intended for you to learn the new habits of this Christian life and to start rerouting your life in a way that show Christ. He has taken you from your zombie state and redeemed you to new life. Stop returning to your old ways. Stop returning to your old ways. Stop returning to your sin. It's time to reroute. If you need help, get help. If you have sin in your life, then get help. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot live this Christian life on your own. Are you listening to me? Are you with me? Look at me. You cannot do it on your own. But God can. And he wants you to use him, and he wants you to use other people in your life. And if you need help, then get help. Go and repent, man. Don't live in your sin. Don't live in this struggle. Stop acting dead and go and start living alive. God wants so much more for you tonight. Stop living as though you were dead and start living alive. I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to put down whatever's in your lap. I want you to put down your phones. I want you to put down everything. And I want you to, to center in on where God, what God wants to say to you right now. Don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about what stuff is there in front of you. I want you to bow your head, and I want you to think about what God wants to say to you right now. For some of you, and this is okay, by the way, some of you, you came tonight and you don't even know who Christ is. And so this message tonight has been a little bit uh, straightforward for you. But I hope, and not by fear of motivation, but I hope by fear, uh, not by fear at all, excuse me, but I hope by the motivation of who Christ is and the story of knowing the power of the Almighty God that you've come tonight and you've seen life for the first time. It doesn't happen in a prayer doesn't matter what you do, but if God is coming to your life in this moment, man, praise God. And I want to just ask you tonight. I'm going to ask these guys to turn the lights back up in the crowd just real quick. I want you to keep your heads bowed, and I want to ask you tonight, if you do not know who Christ is in your life, if you've never really known him, or you know in your heart that you struggle with this idea of am I saved or am I not, or maybe you came tonight and you realize that you're, you're not living alive. 
I want you to just look up at me. I want you to look up at me. I want you to connect eyes with me. If that's you tonight, if you've never made that decision for Christ, if you've never made that choice in your heart, and if God is telling you tonight to wake up and to be alive, if that's you, look at me and connect eyes with me. I see. If that's you tonight, connect eyes with me. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to ask you to do something in this moment. If you connected eyes with me, everybody else is still heads bound. If you connected eyes with me, I want you to be bold in this moment. I want you to get up, and I want you to go find a leader right now. Stand up right now. If you looked at me, stand up right now and go find somebody to talk to. It's okay. We're going to celebrate with you. This is not a judgment. We're going to celebrate what God's doing in your life. If that was you, if you just looked at me, the four or five of you that did, I want you to stand up, and I want you to go and talk to somebody. Right. Who else? Who else in here needs to stop acting dead and needs to become alive? Awesome. For the rest of you, I want you to bow your heads and I want you to think about this. Even for myself, even as a youth pastor, I struggle a lot of times with this idea that there's an enemy at war against me. And tonight, I want you to acknowledge not only that there's an enemy at war against you, but I want you to acknowledge something else in your life tonight. I want us to stop acting in this zombie state that we live in. That means... For a lot of us, that means stepping outside of yourself in your own comfort zone. Because I think a lot of us get comfortable and we, and we think about who's around us or what's going on and we forget about that there's an all-powerful God that wants to invest in our lives. Because here's the reality. There is a God that is powerful, that is breathing life into you tonight. And when the gospel is preached, there should be a response. It doesn't mean that you always come crying and boohooing to the stage, but it does mean that maybe if God's doing something great in your life, then celebrate it. Get excited about what God is doing in your life. If you're sin and struggle in your life, then cry out to God. Say, God, I need your help. But there should be a response. And I want to implore you tonight to stop living in the zombie state that we live in as we come in on Wednesday nights and we keep our hands in our pockets and we kind of shrug off this whole thing as if we're too cool for school or as if we don't care about it. Listen, there's a real, there's a reality tonight that there's a powerful God and he wants to see you come to new life tonight. And so in these next few moments, as Bobby and these guys come up, I'm going to pray and then I want you to respond. I want you to come 
I want you to pray at the altar. I want you to come. I want you to throw your hands in the air and praise God for who he is. But I want you to come and respond. No matter who you are, there should be a response tonight. It's time to stop living as dead and start, start living as though you are alive. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity tonight to come before your word and your holy throne. God, thank you that you were all powerful, that you were equally invested in our lives tonight. God, that you want so much more for us. God, help us tonight to respond to your goodness. Help us tonight to respond to your grace, for it's by grace that we've been saved. God, I pray tonight that we would come in response to the gospel and come ready and willing to cry out, whether it's crying out for holiness, crying out in joy of what you're doing, or crying out in pain and in sorrow because of the struggle that's in our lives. God, we need you to help us to respond right now. God, thank you. Thank you that you want to breathe life into these wretched, dried up bones and you want to breathe life into them. Thank you that for my own life, for these that are here tonight, God, we give you the joy and the praise in this moment and we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.